Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Endeavor Podcast. I am your host, Jason Breitkopf. Joining me today, once again, is one of my favorite guests, Christy Davin. How are you doing, Christy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for being on the show again. My pleasure. Uh, we're talking about something that you and I have uh, touched on a couple of times in previous episodes. So I thought it was a good idea for us to get together and talk about this, which is uh, the value of the essay portion of the SAT or ACT. And the reason why I think it's such a big deal is that uh, in the last month alone, I've seen two different articles in major newspapers uh, around the internet and the country um, on things going on with the essay, specifically for the SAT one in both of those articles, but also with the ACT, that we're down to only about 40 colleges or universities that require students to take the essay portion of the SAT or ACT. Now, to put that into context, in the United States, there are over 4,000 colleges and universities. Yes, that's right, 4,000. So we're talking about only 1% of colleges and universities in the United States require students to take the essay portion with the SAT or ACT as a requirement for admission. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that the other 3,900 plus colleges and universities have banned the SAT essay. And that's where a lot of the rumor milling has been going on, that schools have said they, they don't, that people think that, that colleges have said they don't want to see the essay. And what that means instead is that only those 40 schools are requiring it, but many hundreds of schools still accept it. So if you take the SAT with the essay, or the ACT with the essay, these other colleges will take those scores. Can I ask a quick question about that? Um, sure. That 1%, those 40 schools, is there a similarity in them? Are they the really high-level competitive schools? Is, is it something like that, or is it a specific type of school, like a nursing school? That's an excellent question, and it leads to a great answer, which is no, there's no theme to the 40-ish schools that still require the essay on the SAT or ACT. Uh, some of the Ivy League schools, for example, one or two of them are on that list of 40. One or two of them are on the list of schools that will accept it. One or two of them have flat out said they won't look at the scores from the SAT essay or ACT essay. So it's across the board from the tippity-top pinnacle Ivy League schools and near Ivies all the way down to your local state college, there's a mix. The, the list of 40 schools includes you know, regional schools, state schools, prestigious liberal arts colleges, the uh, one or two Ivy League schools. It's just a, a random mix of schools, it looks like. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So the other thing to think about is, so if there are schools that no longer require the essay. And there are schools that don't require it but accept it. And there are schools that don't require it but request it. So there's all these different levels. Uh, why? What is going on with the essay? And is there still value in it? So those are the two questions I'd like to explore today. Um, the first thing is I want to talk about why. Why are schools doing this? And it has to do with something that we've talked about, you and I, on, in several episodes previously, which is the big change in the SAT in 2016. 
So just a real quick recap, the SAT had a major rewrite in 2004-2005, and then uh, it was the 2400 SAT, and that was the SAT that if you are a teacher, uh, if you were a student who had an older sibling, uh, students were taking that SAT between 2005 and 2016. And then for various reasons, the SAT completely rewrote the test, the College Board, I mean, completely rewrote the SAT uh, for March of 2016 and beyond. That's the SAT we're dealing with right now. You and I, Christy, we talked about the differences between the math sections on the SAT and ACT uh, several weeks ago, uh, months ago now. Oh, my gosh. That was mm -hmm. one of our, our most popular episodes. Uh, very recently, you and I um, did an episode on the differences between the uh, different English sections on the SAT and ACT. And by the time this episode comes out, that episode should already have posted. So, folks, hopefully you've listened to that one on the differences between SAT English and ACT English. And we did talk a little bit about the essay and the differences between them. But the big thing to realize is, is that the reason why we were recording those episodes, the reason why we were having those conversations, is that the SAT has changed so much uh, uh, two years ago with the 2016 rewrite. And when we talked about the essay, we talked about how much harder the essay became. The old SAT essay was very easy, comparatively speaking. It was a two-page essay on a generic uh, question, a persuasive essay. For example, there were questions back in the day like, is change ever necessary? Or is it ever appropriate to defy authority? And those questions were so open-ended and the students were encouraged to draw evidence from so many different sources, their reading, what they've learned in school, their personal experience, that a lot of students figured out a way to game the essay. They were able to pre-write their essay topic, their, their response, as a generic response, and then apply it to each question. So they could have pre-written a story about the time they broke their leg skiing. So if they saw the question, is change necessary? They'd say, yes, I believe change is necessary because, let me tell you about the time I broke my leg skiing. They could write the exact same story the next time they took the SAT. Is it ever appropriate to defy authority? No, it is not. Let me tell you why. Because at this time I broke my leg skiing. And use that same story each and every time. And it took the SAT folks a couple of years to figure this out. As they started to see more and more students doing this, as tutoring companies started to teach students to do this, and really like bright students started to do this on their own. So. Uh, colleges notice this as well because they remember when you do an SAT or ACT essay and you submit your score report to a college, they not only get your scores but they get uh, photocopies or scans of your handwritten essays. So they see your handwriting, folks. Practice your handwriting. Um, so colleges are starting to see this as well. So the colleges complained to the SAT people, to the college board. And so the college board then said, fine, fine, we're going to redo it. Uh, the SAT essay right now is completely different. It is so hard, and you cannot pre-write anything. It's an analytical essay responding to a two-plus page passage, either an article written in the last five years by a professional journalist that's been published in a real newspaper magazine or news website, something that you and I could find on the internet right now, or an excerpt from a speech or piece of writing by an important public figure of the last two centuries. Your Martin Luther Kings, your John F. Kennedys, your um, Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, 
I've, uh, Mary, Mary Wollstonecraft, uh, you know, very famous people from history. So there might be a style or like, they may not be using contemporary language. So there might yes, be that challenge as well. There is, absolutely. So these essays are incredibly <clears throat> challenging now. But the other major change that happened, something that we haven't talked about in previous episodes, is the other major change that happened is that they changed the scoring system. The SAT essay used to have this very simple one to six scale. One is low, six is high. If you got a two, that meant it was a pretty poor essay. If you got a five, that was pretty good. You got two scores from two different graders who read your essay. The SAT people added them together and you got a final score on a scale of two to 12. A seven was the median score. Anything above a seven was a good score. Anything below a seven was a sad score. And that was pretty easy to understand. And that's how the essay was scored, not only on the SAT from 2005 to 2016, but that's also how the College Board scored the essay on the SAT writing subject test from the 1970s until 2005. So for 40 years, Colleges knew what that scoring system meant. And here's the cool thing, the ACT adopted the exact same scoring system when they added an essay in 2004. So every college knew what that scale was. All of a sudden in 2016, the College Board comes up with this crazy, crazy scoring system for the new really hard essay. You don't get a score on the two to 12 scale. No, no, no. You get three different scores on a two to eight scale. One for reading, one for analysis, and one for writing. Reading meaning uh, how well you understood what you read. Writing meaning the quality of your writing. And analysis meaning did you answer the task of analyzing this passage. And I have spoken to a lot of current and former college admissions officers, and they have no idea how to interpret these scores. It's like if you swapped out the essays that were written in English for ones written in Swahili or Urdu, which are real languages, and expected the college admission officers to continue to do their job the same way when they don't speak Swahili or Urdu. So they, as a group, over the last two years, from school to school to school, like dominoes, have decided that the essay score itself is just not useful to them anymore. So they're not going to require the essay. They're still going to look at the essay if it comes in, but they're not going to count the score towards the admissions process. So this is interesting to me because I was always under the impression, as you and I have discussed this over time, that fewer and fewer colleges were either requiring or accepting the essay, that it was sort of a cultural thing and they didn't want that extra writing sample. But now it sounds like what you're saying is it's not that they necessarily didn't want the writing sample, but that perhaps the way the essay is now formatted is less valuable? Yeah, I would agree with you. In fact, here's the thing. Let's look at the question of why did the SAT and then the ACT following suit <coughs> add an essay at all in 2005? They did it specifically because the University of California system and the Ivy Leagues told the SAT people, add an essay to the, essay, to the SAT, or we'll stop using it. It was a threat. So here's the thing. The two biggest recipients of SAT scores from when students apply to colleges are the Ivy Leagues 
who even though they're relatively small colleges and universities, I mean, think about it, Harvard only accepts 2,000 freshmen a year, which means they have about eight to 9,000 undergrads. They have a huge graduate school, but eight to 9,000 undergrads is pretty small. The University of Ohio has 40,000 undergrads approximately. Most state universities have 20 to 30,000. Harvard's a small school, and yet Harvard gets as many applications as these larger universities. So a lot of people apply to Harvard, and that's just Harvard. Then there's Yale and Princeton and Brown and Columbia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The Ivy Leagues and the near Ivies, schools that are not technically in the Ivy League, but they're the same caliber uh, of private schools, Stanford, Georgetown, Tufts, schools in the top 20, according to U.S. News and World Report. They're some of the biggest clients of the College Board. And then the biggest single client of the College Board is the University of California system. I believe they have nine colleges and universities, not to count the Cal State system. So between Cal State and, U and the UC system, hundreds of thousands of students apply to college in California every year. That's hundreds of thousands of SATs. So when these two different groups came together and then made a joint demand of the College Board, add an essay or else, the College Board said, yes sir, within a year, and there was an essay. So the reason why they asked that is because they were noticing that the quality of writing for their incoming freshmen, even at prestigious universities like UCLA, uh, Harvard, Princeton, was going down throughout the 90s into the early 2000s. So they wanted to use the essay as a tool for picking out the best writers. And so the schools still want that. Colleges and universities still want to know because there was this historical cultural shift that we're going through where writing has been de-emphasized and STEM, that science, technology, engineering, math uh, track, has been overemphasized. That reminds me of a conversation that you and I had recently about how um, your major, uh, it's, the, it's the episode called You Won't Get a Job with an English Major. Right. Um, I myself am an English major. We, right. We've talked about grammar geeks in yeah. previous episodes. You and I are both self-professed grammar geeks. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've had this conversation before about how um, the emphasis has, has been moving away from writing. And that's why, in my opinion, if you're a great writer, you really do need to um, participate in the essay, even if the colleges that you're choosing to apply to don't require it because good writers are so hard to find. I mean, think about it. Even if you're going to be an engineer or a doctor, you have to be able to communicate what's going on. If you're a doctor, you have to, whether it's spoken or in writing, you have to say, okay, this is what's going on with this patient, this is the problem, and this is the solution. If you're an engineer and you're communicating with a client or with the government or with your boss and you can't tell them what's going on, mm -hmm. whether in writing or by speaking, that's a problem. Colleges recognize this. Even schools that have really strong math and science programs, even MIT and Georgia Tech, they want people who can write. So the colleges still care. The problem is not in a de-emphasis on writing on the part of college admissions officers. It's a problem with scoring of the SAT. And here's the funny thing. When the SAT changed their scoring metric in 2016 to this crazy system now, the ACT, even though they didn't change their essay that much, and the ACT essay did change slightly, they also changed their scoring metric, and they got such negative feedback from universities that from April of 2016 to September of 2016, they then changed it back that fall. So they went back to the 2 to 12 scale within six months. 
So the ACT still uses the 2 to 12 skill, not still, they use it again, but the damage was done. Both the SAT and ACT have seen a cascade of colleges and universities, admissions offices say, take the essay, fine, it's no longer required, or take the essay, but we're not going to count the score, or take the essay or not, we don't care. And that's been what's happening. So that's why you're seeing all this news in the New York Times, USA Today, on CNN, on CNBC. I've seen clips of people talking about this Mm -hmm. in the news. And almost always, the talking heads get it wrong. So that's why I wanted to do this episode. But the the point is is that there's a reason why colleges, admissions offices, are, are not requiring the essay, but they're not saying don't do it. They're not saying we won't accept it. There's still those 35 to 40 schools that require it. There's hundreds of schools that still request it, but don't require it. Hundreds more that will accept it, but don't request it. And still hundreds more where they say they won't count the score, but they still want the essay. And that's the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is something I mentioned not too long ago, like 15 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, in this very episode, which is when you take the essay on a given SAT or ACT and you send your scores to a college, they get your essay and not typed up, not transcribed, they get it as a scan of your handwriting. So they see the essay as you wrote it, with all the scratch outs, with whatever typographical errors you might have made, I mean spelling errors basically, whatever grammar mistakes you made, they see your essay as written. College admissions officers, ones I've spoken with at least, and not one has has said otherwise, they still like seeing this essay, to your point that you just made, as a supplemental writing sample. This is something that you've said to me before, is that you know when they get that, I believe it was in the, um, the episode that we did on SAT English sections versus ACT English sections, which again, should have posted by now. So please go back and listen to it after this episode. Uh, when they receive a college application essay, that thing should be perfect. That thing should be polished. Like you said, Christy, people have had their mom, their English teacher, their guidance counselor, their tutor, look at that essay and help them hone it to perfection. It should be a work of beauty mm-hmm. when it goes off to college and, that, and it tells your story. And you and I have talked about this a lot, you know. We've talked about, you know, your authentic story, you know, building your narrative. The essay is a huge part of that. Um, and that thing should be perfect. The problem is it might be too perfect. Right. Right. Often they don't know, the colleges can't determine whether it's your work, um, whether it's your work with just an awful lot of support, or whether you actually may have allowed somebody to chip in a little too much. And let me be completely honest. I have never worked with a student where I wrote an essay for them. I, I'm all about making the student write their own work. I give them advice, maybe I'll cross out a word and say rewrite that. But I don't write for the student. But I have had students walk in the door and hand me an essay and say, uh, the first half is mine, the second half my mom wrote. I'm like, excuse me? What do you mean your mom wrote this? Like she kicked me out of the chair in front of the computer at home and tippity-tap, tippity-tap, she's writing paragraphs for me. I'm like, well, give me your thing. Let's save as a new document. Here, and I'm gonna highlight those two paragraphs and delete, delete. Because whatever mom wrote can't be submitted to colleges, just can't. And so 
not that mom's a bad person. Mom loves that child so much that she's willing to do anything, and she crossed the line. Well, we talk about that a lot, too, and um, not to get too into it, but it's when I do my uh, videos and podcasts about the parent perspective, it's a drumbeat that I'm constantly including, which is this is their journey. This is, you know, you wouldn't take their biology exam for them. Well, some would. <laughs> so you shouldn't be taking this step for them either. It, you know, anytime you do something for them, they'll end up in a situation that's not right for them because what got them to that place was not about them. Right. It was about you. And parents should not be doing that for their student and absolutely and again that's why the colleges really like that supplemental opportunity because they know mom wasn't in the room with you right and that's another point like even if it wasn't mom even if it wasn't your English teacher even if it wasn't a tutor who gave you too much help there's always that tiny 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 percentage of people who just didn't write it at all hired somebody and got a ghostwriter to do it Uh, and the schools that are most worried about that are the most prestigious schools the MITs and Caltechs and Georgia Techs of the world the Ivy League schools the Stanford's and USC's the Georgetown's and Vanderbilt's Um, these schools are deadly afraid of a student walking in the door having a ghost written essay because the parents and the kid is wealthy enough to buy an essay from a professional writer, someone who does that. They're deathly afraid of that. They don't want that to happen. They are looking for any way to make sure that every single essay is written by the student. And the best way to do that is to compare and contrast the perfectly honed, beautiful, submitted college application essay with that extemporaneous, written on the spot, messy, handwritten SAT or ACT essay. So if a school like Harvard, which came out three weeks ago now, I think it was three weeks ago now, with that USA Today article saying that they're not gonna use the essay scores, whether SAT or ACT, in their admissions process. That's, I believe them. I have spoken with admissions officers at Harvard. They've never lied to me once. Not at all. So I believe when they say they're not looking at the scores, but I bet you they still love those essays. I bet you they still love looking at that essay and saying, let's see what Johnny wrote. Johnny wrote this essay, and here's the college application essay, and oh look, the voice, the style matches. So that's what they're doing with those college application essays and the SAT and ACT essays. They're comparing them not for skill or quality, obviously, an essay that someone wrote in 40 or 50 minutes to a question or passage they've never seen before is not going to be as good quality as the college application essay that a student may have worked on for six months. From the end of junior year through when they apply, whether early admission or early decision in September, October, or regular admission in December. But a student is not going to change that much between junior year and senior year. The voice is still going to be the same. And that's what they're really looking for. And that's why I believe that the SAT and ACT essays are still useful for most students to take. Now, um, I know that we're running a little short on time, but I wanted to ask, when a student takes the essay, um, can you talk a little bit about how that information gets to the colleges? There's the, they can send it directly on the day they take the test, or can, is there a way that because um, we, when we talk to our students, we talk to them about super scoring, we talk to them about practicing uh, taking the tests more than once, 
and to and sometimes we recommend to not automatically report their scores so that they can control who sees the scores and when. Right. But can does that apply to the essay as well? It kind of does in a way. Uh, from what I understand, when you sign up for an SAT and choose which schools to which you want to send that score, those schools get the score report with the scan of the essay. When you send your scores at a later date, I, I, I do not know if they get the essay. So I've never been afraid on behalf of students for them to send scores, even if they're not their final time taking the test, even if they're not certain this will be their best score. Colleges know that students take the test multiple times. These days, the average number of times a student has taken an SAT or if they're an ACT student, ACT, is creeping up towards three. That's average. It means most students are taking it at least once, many are taking it three times, and some are taking it four or five. When I was in high school, back in the 1980s, and I took the SAT five times, there was no one in my high school who took the SAT as many times as I did. And I did that for very, for very specific reasons. The first time I took the SAT was for admission to the uh, Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth Program. So it wasn't even for college admissions. I was in middle school when I took it. Um, so I took it several times as a high school student as part of my process because I wanted to achieve a specific score. So I was there uh, in terms of what our re recommendation is to students now, but I was there in the 80s. So that's why I'm a big advocate of that. So take the SAT multiple times, send it out to a bunch of different schools. They don't care about lower scores. They will always take your best scores from the separate English and math sections and super score. And the vast majority of schools are doing that with ACT now. They'll take your best math, reading, English and science scores from different ACT testings and put them together and come up with a, a super composite that doesn't match whatever composite you got on the real ACT. So I say just send your scores out. The more essays you send to schools, just the more stuff you send to a school that you can send them, the better. You give them more information, they get to know you better. More essays, they get to read more of your writing. If you have a chance to send a portfolio, do that. The more information you can give a college about you, the more likely you're gonna find an admissions officer who wants to advocate for you on your behalf to the rest of the admissions officers in that big brawl in the room where they all get together and argue for their favorite students and say, this is why we should admit this student. All right, thank you. It's yeah. really helpful. Yeah. I think that's a good discussion. Anything else on your mind, or any other questions you have about uh, the value in the, in the essay? No, I think you've covered it all. I will say that there's a lot of people in the education field who completely disagree with me, and I completely respect that. A lot of people feel the essay no longer has any value. And I'm not going to discount their opinion just because I disagree with it. I see what they're talking about. The scores, especially on the SAT essay, are utterly useless now in my opinion. If I had the president of the college board sitting here right with me instead of you, Christy, I would say the same thing to that guy. You, you guys messed up, I would say. That scoring system is crazy. You've turned off thousands of colleges. But, you know, I think admissions officers still are using the essay. I don't foresee a time where either the college board with the SAT or the ACT people take the essay off their tests. So just a quick question. Um, we were talking about how the California college systems are the ones that kind of um, mandated for an SAT exam, uh, essay. Where do they stand right now? Are they re still requiring it? 
Again, After all of that? Interestingly, even though they are a system, they do have separate <laughs> admissions offices at the different UC schools and the different Cal State schools. And so, again, some of them are still requiring it, and some have stopped requiring it. None of them have said they won't accept it, though, so far as I know. That could change. And again, you know, a podcast comes out and that's like a, a piece of amber in time. Mm-hmm. We're recording this in June of 2018. And maybe July of 2018, the UC system changes their mind. So, uh, you know, this, is a, this, is a, this conversation is going to be captured in amber, even though people can listen to it from now until the end of the Internet. Um, but when things like that happen, what I like to do is... is Jump on the on the podcast and have a new episode on the topic. So as that, as news comes out, we're gonna have new episodes. I mean, one of the first episodes we did was on the value and how to improve your college application essay. I bet within a couple months, I'm be doing a new episode with a different guest on the topic because of things we've learned since then. So. I look forward to that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for being on the episode with me. Thank you for having me. And thank you folks at home for listening, whether you're on your commute, you're exercising, or you're just walking around thinking about education. Happy to be here with you. If you like this podcast, please remember to uh, like, heart, star, whatever your podcast app of choice uses for showing your approval. You can share this with all your friends. Uh, you can share it with your enemies, too, and you know maybe to say, ha-ha, I'm smarter than you. That's a good thing, too. I, you know, Sharing is sharing. I'm a big fan of sharing. Uh, And if you really like us, please subscribe. That way you get episodes right away. They download to your phone or podcast listening device of choice. You don't even have to think about it. It's there waiting for you. And uh, if you have a question, you can leave a comment on iTunes. Uh, I don't check that as often. But if you really want to get a response from me, in our show notes uh, in your podcast app, you can see that we have our Twitter uh, handle, at EndeavorPod. Uh, when I when someone responds to me there, I get a notification on my phone, so I'll get back to you pretty quickly. Uh, in the meanwhile, let's all keep learning.